0: Welcome to Tea Talk. All of life flows from the spiritual center of the culture. If this center is healthy, the culture becomes healthy. Tea Talk is a time of intrigue, investigation, insight, and inspiration, enabling you on your life's journey. Invest in your future by gleaning from today's session. Now, in Matthew chapter six, Verse 25. Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life. Everybody say, take no thought for my life. Take no thought for my life. Don't worry. Be happy. (laughs) The Lion King. Kuna Matata. Great song. I love it. Here we see why. Because he goes, take no thought. Be anxious for nothing. Remember, I said... I said to you that where our treasure is, this creates the anxieties in our life. And he says, now, don't let these anxieties overtake your life. Don't worry about life. Now let me say what the difference between worry and concern. Concern is the kingdom way. Worry is a distortion of concern. Worry focuses on the wrong day. That's it. Concern focuses on today. Come on. Yeah, come on. You see. And so when we look at this, we, we begin to read this. Now let's read along here a little bit more, okay? It says, uh, uh, what we shall eat, what we shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on is not your life more than meat and the body than laments. What about me is what he's saying. That's what we're really saying. And that's the, that's the whole premise of our body, our church world today. It's all about what it's, what it's going to be for me, how it's going to help me. And what it's doing for me? It's a me, me, me world. Okay. Verse twenty-six. Behold, the fowls of the air; for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father does what feeds them. Here it is. Mm-hmm. I look at verse 27. Here's what it says. Which of you, by taking thought, here's that word thought again, by being anxious, can add one cubit under a section. The person I'm least satisfied with is this physical person. I'm always trying to fix it. And now at my age. I think the parts have just become antiques. There's no way to get any more parts. But I remember what a spiritual father told me one time. He, he escaped out of Rhodesia. Actually, as he was uh, uh, he was uh, in his house, the communists came through the front door, and he and his son headed out the back door. They were going to kill him. He was a pastor. He came to the United States. He said, I had $3.10, and he said I had a broken and bitter wall. He said, we had one contact. And he said, God, a family in Florida took me in. And he said, from there, God began to restore me and restore my marriage, restore my, my ministry, etc. And he said, I went to Alabama. And he said, one of the things I tried to get rid of was my accent. He said, I had a South African accent. He said, I tried to get rid of. And he said, I was in Alabama one day, and he said, I was trying to speak like Alabamans. Can you imagine, a speak like an Alabama with a, with a southern accent? I mean, you understand what I'm talking about, don't right. you? Okay. All right, and now, uh, here's what he said. He said, when he got through, he said he went out to eat uh, lunch with the pastor, and they're sitting there, and they're talking, and he said, no, and he said, I need to tell you something. He said, what's that? He said, why are you trying to speak like an Alabama? He said, why are you trying to speak with a southern accent? And he goes, well, he says... I want to be accepted. I want people to accept me. And he said, that, you know, if I speak in, in, in South Africa, they don't necessarily understand me. And he goes, no, no, they understand me. He said, let me tell you something. <laughs> this is great advice. Because he's telling me the story. And he says, use that accent. God calls you out of South Africa, use that accent because oh, Americans will listen more than if you try to have a Southern, southern uh, 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 expression. He said they will listen more to your accent because it's so unique and different. Yeah. Amen. Exactly. All right. And he looked at me and he goes, Terry. Now you bring that to southern, uh, the South African accent, he goes, Brother. He said, a you know, big man. He said, use it for the glory of God. What do you mean? He said, stand up. We're trying to be short. I <laughs> said, okay. So now I go out and talk about my eyes. Why? Because it's unique. It's divine. It's uniquely me. It's who I am. We're trying to be something that you're not. That's what I got out of that. You see, we're always trying to be something we're not. And what we really need to understand it, is we put no value on how God has created you. Yeah. Come on. All right. Hold on now at verse 27, which of you, in uh, verse 28, excuse me. And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, here's an interesting thing. You see, once we get over trying to figure out why we don't like ourselves, that there's something else we need to realize that our clothing reveals our attitude it reveals our attitude uh, I tell the ladies be sure that your face is the is what they see and not the other parts of your body come on guys nobody's interested in counting the three hairs on your chest so button the shirt <laughs> <All right. laughs> hey. See God, why? Because it's revealing your attitude. How does me? When Moses was dressed, how was he dressed? His face shone what? Yep. The glory of God. Now I, I know there's styles out there, and I know you can wear anything you want, all kinds of stuff. People say, Jerry, that's old fashioned. No, I'm saying it's revealing something about you. Come on. on. Amen. All right? You wear whatever you want to. You don't go naked. That's fine. I'm not coming around at all. (laughs) But notice, he says, it creates an anxiety inside of you because you don't understand the purpose of it. And and, and he was talking about the lilies. Now listen to this. The issue wasn't the lilies. It says how they grow. Right. That's what he was talking about. He said, consider the lilies. how they grow. How are you growing? How are you growing? Isn't it interesting that when I was young, I used to have a big afro? Wow. Now I'm praying for hair. <laughs> but how do you know things change? You see, it wasn't the beauty of the lily that he was talking about. He was talking about the beauty of the growth that was taking place, that we enjoyed the beauty of the lily. Uh, Come on. And that's what God wants in our life. He wants us to grow. He wants those attitudes to become uh, the the mind of Christ and what He has done. And guess what everybody did? We'll see the beauty that is in us. That's true. Look at verse 29. He says, I say unto you, whenever you see those words, Jesus said uh, in Matthew, in in Matthew chapter 5, He says, uh, it is written, but I say unto you, whenever you see that phrase, He is now establishing His laws. Because a king establishes the laws. And how does he establish laws? By speaking. Yep. Come on. When a king says it, that's it. Remember Darius? He, he signs the decree and says, so guess what? he's gonna die, and then he went and begin to intercede for Daniel. I love that. Why? Wow. Alright, now look at this. Look at starting verse uh, uh, thirty. Wherefore did God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh you of little faith. Oh you of little faith. Verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Everybody say, those that are without God. Those, those that are that God. They seek to meet those basic needs, the water, the food, the clothing, you know, the significance and all the stuff I talked about it earlier. That's what the Gentile world seeks. And guess what? That thing has come right into the house of God. Come on. You know, if you give this, then God's going to give you a new car. If you do this, God will give you a house. We've got prophecy now saying, thus said the Lord, I see a mansion in your future. Man, you're living in a pump tent right now. Come on. It may be way down in your future. Right. Yeah, okay. You can't even handle a pump tent. All right? Why? Because the kingdom, notice what it says in verse 32. It says, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Yeah. All these things. You see, so my question is, what is your pursuit? The Father knows. Notice, he said, the need, the need that he's presenting here is to know the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's the nature, the attributes, and the character of God. Every person seeking a kingdom, and every person is seeking a kingdom, whether it's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness, you're going to be seeking one of those two kingdoms. Amen. They're, they're not, no, that's the only two kingdoms that I know of. Now, some of you say, well, there's the kingdom of self, but I think that has something else to do. I think when the scripture clearly points out that we're delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son, guess what? Then, then that's the two kingdoms that are major here. Amen. Now, I understand he says that Jesus delivered up all the kingdoms to his heavenly father. I understand that, but those are kingdoms that were ruled by darkness. All right, I'll leave that alone, okay? Now, What's the battle? Whenever there's kingdoms that clash, if there is, well, let me say this. Abraham received, I think it was 64 promises from God. And you break that 64 down into categories. There's basically three things that God promised Abraham. Barely three things. Number one, he promised him salvation and deliverance. Number two, he promised him wealth. And number three, he promised him health. Those are the three things. You break it down. That's what God promised him. He promised him salvation, deliverance. He promised him him wealth. And he promised him health. Three things. So whenever we see this clash of kingdoms, there's always this conflict of two kingdom governments that are taking place, or two kingdom systems that are taking place. And guess what? Because we have a sin nature, we have grown up underneath that system and from time to time there's a clash between the system of God and the system of uh, the Lord. Amen. I'm going to find out what I'm talking about. Alright. Now notice what he says here. Let's go on. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Listen. We're talking about religion. Religion is man's invention and attempt to find God and restore the kingdom on his own. It's doing it without God, even though God is in there a little bit. We talk about God, we use the verbiage of God, we understand that type of stuff. But that's the whole idea of religion, is that I make my own rules, I give my own uh, direction, I decide what I want to do, and that's the way it's going to be. That's why we have so many denominations across the nation is because everybody wants to do it their own way and they don't want to do it God's way now here's what he says seek ye first the king's domain is what kingdom represents seek first the king's domain we'll teach on that another time But seeking first the kingdom of of God and so what does he say and his Righteousness. Righteousness." Righteousness. righteousness righteousness interesting word that's not one of those Translating words. Because the word righteousness is more of a religious term than it is a kingdom. Okay? The word should be rights or justice. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his rights or his justice. In other words, align yourself with God's authority. Legally and lawfully in every way that you can. It's an alignment with the governmental authority of God that's taking place. And whenever you align up with God's authority, then then, then God's government will give you the privileges. So let's look at what he says here. So God's priorities, seek first the kingdom of God and his rights. Here's what we need to understand about rights. First of all, there is a position of rights. Remember in Romans chapter 5, it talks about that, uh, uh, verse 1, it says that when, when uh, uh, we, we accept Jesus, we are right before God. We are righteous before God is the term that we have to use. In other words, we've now come into alignment with governmental authority. So there's the position of rights. Second of all, there are the principles or the laws of rights. I mean, you know that the God, in a kingdom, they always have laws and they have, have principles that are there. Then there is the practice of rights. Remember, we drew that up on the board here. And then the third one is there is the power of those rights. All right? So we see that when we see first the kingdom of God and his rights, then guess what happens? All these things. All these things, shall we added. What are all the things that he talking about? He just told us here in chapter 6, Our values, our worth, our anxieties, we can give to Him all those things, clothing and food and all that type of stuff. But if you don't know the rights, you won't know how to get them out of the kingdom of God. And so what happens? You go out and keep doing things on your own scale and your own way. Notice, Jesus came and He preached the kingdom of God. Why? To restore us to the full rights that belong to us as sons and daughters. That's what he preached. Hallelujah. You see, so here's what I you, you need you to understand, that as you exercise and walk in those rights, God has given them to you. Now let's finish it up here. Verse 34. Take therefore no thought. Don't be anxious. Don't be full of anxiety for the morrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of himself. sufficient unto the day, is the evil thereof. So here's what he's saying. When we seek the kingdom of God and His rights, all these things in chapter 6 that he's been describing, and, and our combat with the world and the, and the kingdom of darkness and, and all those things, as we line up with the kingdom, guess what? There will come a clash. Listen to me. Write down the word strife. I'll throw this in here. Yeah. Strife is two systems that are competing against each other. Anybody ever had any strife going on in your life? (laughs) There are two systems. You go on and compete one with another. And so we see that notice, it says here, that as we do that, notice what he says. When we do line up with the kingdom, we find that inner substance on the inside of us. The Bible says in Luke chapter 17 and verse 20 and 21 that the kingdom of God is in the midst of us. Remember I said it's out here, but we have to appropriate it and take it inside of here. You see, we enter into it. We we are shut up into the kingdom of God. Notice it says that if we don't do that, guess what happens? Matthew 21, 43, Jesus looked at those Pharisees, those Sadducees, and that generation, and he says today, the kingdom of God is taken away. See, if we don't exercise those things and and don't seek those types of things, then we will not understand the full benefits of them. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse verse 20, here's what it says. That unless your rights exceed the rights of the Pharisees, you're not going to receive it. That's strong. That's strong. Receiving the rights God's given to us. So, God, it's God's desire to give us the kingdom. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. It's God's good pleasure yes. to give us the kingdom. And as we get the kingdom, we wear this mantle. Have you ever noticed when you walk into McDonald's, there's nobody there, and in about 15 minutes, the place is full? Yeah. Because you're wearing the kingdom. We actually are a blessing to the community. Come on. I believe that. of Commerce, please come down and visit with us. Amen. We need some insight here. Amen. Why? Because you're wearing a mantle. You have a mantle on you. The Bible says in Luke 22 and 29, it says, As my Father has appointed a kingdom and conferred it on me, so do I confer on you. God gave Jesus a kingdom, and Jesus said, I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to run with it. So my question to you, and I finish this up tonight with this: What is your assignment? What mystery does He want you to unravel? The greatest failure in life is to live our life in the wrong assignment, and we begin to wither all the body. Mark chapter four, verse eleven says, He sent to them. To you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom, the secret counsels of God, which are hidden from the ungodly. But for those outside of our circle, everything becomes a parable. Wow! To me. the difference between understanding the kingdom and not understanding the kingdom is simply the parables. Notice those that didn't understand and didn't want to press in and understand the kingdom of God. Guess what he would do? He would tell the parable and then he would. Then the disciples get with it. Why they pressed it a little further? Yeah. See, so there's things that you've got this week because you pressed in. That's it. You see, you went beyond the parable. And you said, "Lord, what does this mean?" And then the disciples would come to him privately, and they say, "What does this mean?" John chapter six, the classic man. They're they're all gathered around the miracles and the signs and wonders. And isn't it interesting that whenever big crowds were gathered around Jesus, he would start preaching discipleship. Come on. A man and all of a sudden they go, hey, wait, I'm out of here. Yeah. A man, he looked at, the Peter looked at, I mean, Jesus looked at them and said to the disciples, are you going to go away too? Uh-huh. And Peter had the answer, bless his heart. He said, but well, you're the one that's got the answers to life. You see, there's only a few that really want to know what the answers of life are all about. exactly right. And you've sat here all every night here. You've watched by Facebook. or You've sat here every night and pressed in and, and, and gathered and gleaned life Because you went beyond the parable. Because you know there's a mantle on you. You know there's an assignment upon you. You know that the kingdom of God is on you. And God wants to utilize that in a very great and powerful way. There's things that have been undone in your life. There are things that have been... Right? Because you paid the price and walked out into time. Oh. in the name of Jesus. Right. So tonight, i say to you: Seek ye first the Amen. kingdom of God. Amen. And your rights. Amen. That you have in that kingdom. Remember what I said: For every situation, there's a source. There's a right. There's a source. Every source I have to sacrifice. And when I sacrifice, I. See. see the size of it. For every problem, there's a kingdom principle. For every kingdom principle, I put it into practice. When I put it into practice, I see the power of God. Amen. I want to challenge you as so I finish tonight. I want to challenge this group. And anybody else is listening. For the next three months, don't ask anybody to pray for Come on. Whenever a problem pops up, I want you to go to the Scripture and let the Holy Spirit show you the kingdom principle about your problem and your situation. Come on, preach. And then when you get it, I want you to start putting it into your life. Tell somebody, tell Pastor Ronnie or somebody, that this is what I'm doing, I'm putting this into practice, and I want you to see the power of God begin to move supernaturally through. Come on. That's what's going to happen. I want to seal this in prayer. And then I will minister going to people in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining today in your pursuit of perfection and peace of mind. For more experienced and valuable choices, visit our website, terrylthompson.org. Stay connected for more life-changing and reliable systems of thought and renewal.